Mob Talk with Talia Little. Um, so, Kaya, everyone, uh, today I'm on the podcast with the lovely Brooke Collard. Brooke, how are you? Ah, Nyan Kwab. Nuna Kwab. So, what does that mean, Brooke? How are you? Are you good? Well, oh, how do you say? Um, I'll say Mara in my country, in, in my language, means good. I'm good. <laughs> so, Brooke is a strong Nunga. Nunga is, are you Nunga? Yeah, so there's 14 to 16 groups Nunga. And the closest ties I'm connected to quite a few, but closest I would say are Baladong and Wajuk Nunga. So can you just explain what that phrase um, means? Yeah, um, just being Baladong and Wajuk. I thought one of the words was home. No, so do you mean Buja for yeah, country? Yeah, or is that a different one? Yeah, so when I talk about what country I'm from, I usually say Baladong Buja is where my family are from, so Baladong country. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense now. So, Brooke has lovely, Brooke has lovely, lovely Brooke has joined me today um, at our house in Alice Springs. So, Brooke is currently on the Larapinta, Larapinta project with myself and Gary and we're super excited to be here. Brooke is a production assistant. Yeah, I'm the production coordinator on this project. And Brooke is a star. Her um, organisation skills are seriously to die for. Well, coming from me, I'm terrible, especially at admin. So Brooke has always got our back, which is super, super handy. Yeah, I'm glad to hear because I'm ridiculously organised, so it comes in handy. (laughs) So talking about organisation, did you always have those skills or did you feel like, did you build them up through learning in the film industry? Uh, I definitely was never, ever actually this organised before. It's definitely something that's come through with, you know, having to keep on top of yourself, especially going to uni and just having to be responsible for yourself. Because I'm quite tech savvy as well, I found like all these apps to just kind of keep myself on track and then I found ways to give it to other people as well to be like, okay, I can make sure you're on track as well. And yeah, I guess that's, yeah, I haven't always been organised is the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just not organised, so you're beating me at something. So taking it back to when you were younger, can we just give everyone a mob talk, uh, I guess a brief description of yourself, um, maybe how you grew up or, um, yeah, just a little bit of a description about yourself and maybe what you're doing now, just so everyone has a brief idea about you and who you are. Yeah, so starting with a big question. <laughs> um, I guess describing it, I've had a very um, different childhood to most people. I moved around a lot as a kid. So even though I am a um, Baladong Noongar woman myself, I was actually born in Derby, which is at the very top end of WA, so two hours north of Broome. Um, so half my life has been in the Kimberley and half has been on Noongar Puja, so Noongar country. Um Yeah, so moving around a lot, you have to get quite good at making friends fast. So I feel like that's something I still hold now. And I guess it's hard staying in one place now almost because you've gotten so used to, I guess, traveling. And that's kind of what I do with my work now as well as travel a lot. Um, But yeah, I guess like as a kid, I actually grew up as Jehovah's Witness as a kid. I'm not religious myself now. Um, I'm actually complete opposite, I guess, you know, being a filmmaker and an artistic person in general, not religious in any way, besides, I guess, exploring my Noongar culture and spirituality. So, 
Growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's Witness or Jehovah, how do you say that? Jehovah's, Jehovah's, Witness. Jehovah's Witness. Were there any struggles that, actually, let's start with this. What, for people who don't understand, can you give a brief explanation about what a Jehovah's Witness is? Because I know myself, I didn't have quite a good understanding until I actually met you and we spoke, we, we've spoken a bit about this, but I guess a lot of people may have stigma behind a religion that they don't know about. So if you could just give us a, you know, brief explanation on what being a Jehovah's Witness looks like, that'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like it's definitely one of those religions in life that a lot of people, you know, hear stereotypes about and don't necessarily know a lot about themselves. So I'm always so happy to kind of explain, I guess, from someone who's grown up in that. Um, Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, (laughs) to me, it's like extreme Christian. So... um, So you feel like it's above Christianity in terms of its extremeness? Um, I guess just more in the strictness that they require upon themselves in their day-to-day lives. So I feel like they take the Bible quite seriously. So for me, for example, when people would say they were Christian and... Um, for example, but they would, you know, um, sleep with people outside of marriage. They would, you know, um, watch Harry Potter, which promotes witchcraft. I would be like, what? Oh, really? I thought you guys were Christian. You're not supposed to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess the main big difference that I think is actually really good is, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, like if you want to get baptized, it's not something that's forced upon you at birth. It's when you're ready. So I think that's like a really great thing is that, you know, if you're, and again, that's another thing growing up is that because you have to choose that yourself, that's like a dedication that you're making to God within that. So Mm. it's very serious. So then whenever I'd meet people who were like, oh yeah, I've been baptized, but they weren't like super Christian. I was like, what? Wow. That's really interesting to hear. So taking it back to Harry Potter for a second, did you ever watch Harry Potter when you grew up, when you were young? Oh, I wasn't allowed to, um, but that's actually a funny story because this, I, I don't know, maybe this was me rebelling as a kid, but mm-hmm. I used to secretly read like Harry Potter under the bed sheet. So I guess like kind of felt like identified with him a lot, you know, like he was like keeping that he was a wizard secret from people and I was keeping it secret that I was reading about a wizard. So, and I yeah. guess being as from what I've heard you say, you've grown up as a Jehovah's Witness and then maybe, you know, you've realised it's not the religion that you follow or want to believe in. Do you kind of feel like that was something that you were hiding maybe as Harry was as a kid or not knowing really or fully understanding? Um, Not necessarily because, I mean, I knew pretty young that I didn't believe in it. So about 12 years old, I just went up to mum and I was like, yeah, this ain't it. (laughs) (laughs) This is not it. (laughs) Yeah. um, Because, yeah, I've just always, I guess, had a bit more of like a questioning, almost like scientific mind in a way. So a lot of the stuff where they're like, oh, you you just know. You just know that God's there. You just feel God. I personally didn't identify with so when I'd ask people to be like okay how do you know they'd just be like oh you just know and I'd be like well I've never felt it what Mm. is that and I guess that goes down to everyone's spiritual connection and obviously it just wasn't there for you like we're not we just want to be clear on this podcast that we're not dissing um, anyone that is of any religion everyone has their own beliefs but we're just 
I'm just helping Brooke explain a little bit of her story. Um, so growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, what were the struggles and what were the positives? Yeah, like um, I guess kind of adding to what you just said before, like I absolutely can see how people are drawn to the religion and how it can comfort them because um, they do have this belief that, you know, all their loved ones are going to come back. So that's like a really beautiful thing to look forward to, especially when you're grieving someone you've lost. Um, so I think that's quite a beautiful thing, especially the community that they have is so supportive. So, so your loved ones come back as in? Yeah. So um, what they believe is there's going to be, it's like the end of the world. You might've seen it in movies like Armageddon. So they believe that Armageddon is going to come and end the world, but they also believe that once that's done, that all the people um, they love are going to be brought back to life. So, but the, you know, the fine print of that one is that you have to um, convert to being a Jehovah's Witness with that one. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, sorry. I'm just going to make it clear. So Armageddon happens and everyone that's not a Jehovah's Witness dies. Yeah, that's their belief. So it's kind of like you get given a second chance. So that's what Mm. Armageddon is. They give you that chance to be like, are you going to say you believe in Jehovah now? And if you say no, then that's it. But then if you say yes, then they have a belief that you're going to live forever in paradise in the world. So basically how I guess the Bible's represented the Garden of Eden before everything happened, they believe that the world's going to go back to that. It's just when you don't come from, well, myself, I don't come from a religion. I guess some people would say that Aboriginal culture is a religion, but not coming, well, some of my family is actually Catholic, but not really coming from a religion. It's so um, interesting, I guess, for me to kind of sit here with you and yarn about all the differences we have as, I guess, kids growing up in different worlds, but how similar it is as well, having our own experiences and then sometimes being traumatic and not growing up as a kid as a Jehovah's Witness can you just walk me through what this would have looked like yeah absolutely sorry I'm like super pregnant right now six months so I keep burping so it's like no that is so okay I just burp anyway microwave (laughs) microphone away (laughs) um yeah I mean definitely as a kid it was really really hard because you know like going through primary school and high school is almost like trying to survive and that's like basically if you've ever seen the tv show Freaks and Geeks that's how they described what they were trying to write is high school is survival. And anytime people kind of stick out is always really tough. So especially being, you know, um, Noongar and religious, there was already two things, I guess, that flagged up that made me different from a lot of the people around me. Um, so, you know, you had your typical people would be like, oh, so you don't celebrate your birthday. And that was just a huge thing to them. And you're like, oh, no, I don't. It's just a normal day. And um, I guess like the only I never really felt like I missed out on celebrating my birthday. It was only, I guess, getting invited to your friend's birthdays. You always had to say no. So then you didn't really get to go to anything outside of school was the main thing. Mm. Do you feel like this has helped I guess your resilience in life yeah definitely because I mean um especially things like you're not supposed to sing the national anthem because it's like showing allegiance to a nation and they believe nobody is above another person so 
you know, when I was younger, I didn't sing the national anthem because of religious reasons, but then you get older and understand, you know, what the national anthem is and you're like, okay, I have other reasons why I won't sing that now. So what are those other reasons? Because I don't fully understand. I don't even remember when I was younger, I used to sing it in primary school, but I know that they changed some of the lyrics recently. What, what are your views, if you don't mind sharing them, or not wanting to sing the anthem? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes back to a lot of things like the White Australia policy, because the first person who actually wrote the national anthem was a Scottish man, and it was, um, Australia is white and free, were the original <laughs> lines. Yeah, yeah, so it just... Um, it it's comes white to, and free. Yeah, wow. yeah, it comes from a foundation of racism, you know, so... And to say we are free, we, well, you know, being a First Nations person, we weren't free under this regime that we now know as Australia. Um, Yeah, so that's like one of the reasons why personally I will never sing the national anthem. And yeah, that's just my own personal view. Like I can understand people, um, I guess, wanting to come together with other people and, you know, find that... um, I guess community and calling Mm -hmm. yourselves Australian and singing that anthem together. But yeah, it's not personally for me because I don't think it represents everybody. I don't even really know the national anthem now that I think of it. But Brooke, you are from knowing you from the last, like I think it's like four weeks, but we spent a lot of time together. From seeing you at the start, I thought you were quite shy, but as I've gotten to know you... I've realised how strong you are as a woman. No, actually, though, (laughs) like a really strong woman who knows a lot about culture and tries to learn and do right by other cultures. And you're very um, on the money with that kind of stuff. Thank you. (laughs) Have you always been like that or is that something that you've developed over the last couple of years? Um, Making me emotional now. (laughs) I'll start crying. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess... It's something I've had to grow into finding my identity because, again, like, especially connecting to my, you know, Baladong Noongar heritage, um, I didn't necessarily grow up knowing a lot of that stuff, especially culturally, again, because of growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, that was kind of something that was frowned upon. Um, But yeah, I guess it's been a journey and that journey was actually sparked by... um, I accidentally met uh, met a family member. So the way that worked was I just randomly signed up to this volunteer organization. The CEO of that organization was like, okay, I'm happy for you to join, but before we tick the box, you need to get ticked off by our Aboriginal overseer. And I just remember going into the building and there was a stern looking elder in there and he was so sus on me and the other person there. <laughs> And he had his arms crossed and was very stern, was like, all right, before we get started, I need you to tell me exactly who you are, where you were born, where you have been your whole life, and then I need you to tell me who your parents are, who your grandparents are, and then who your great-grandparents are. Wow. Yeah. So it was And then what happened? Yeah, it was a bit full on. <laughs> um, but I'm, I guess I'm kind of privileged in that way as well, that I do know that far back because I guess like some people wouldn't know their family ties because of what's mm-hmm. happened with the stolen gen um but yeah the more I started to say this is my mum but no one really knows my mum because she's typically like a hermit um, <laughs> but as soon as I started saying my grandparents were these people he started to like 
pinch the top of his nose and I was thinking, oh, look out, I've upset this old guy. Oh, he must have beef with them. I'm so sorry. And <laughs> Time to leave now. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I lost the um, volunteer job. And then he stood up and he was like, come here, bub. And he gave me a big hug and he didn't let go of me until he leaned back, still holding onto my shoulders. And he had tears in his eyes and he went, I'm your pop, bub. Wow. Isn't like, I actually literally just got goosebumps and I've heard this story before, but isn't it so amazing how something just brought you guys together that day? Something was just there, but it's so powerful, the effect that the stolen gen has had on our people and to be able to find your pop through that kind of a source is just crazy. Like, how did, how did that feel for you? Oh, I mean, I almost started bawling my eyes out as well when he said that because it's quite powerful because, you know, I didn't realise how close we actually were as he's like the first cousin of my grandmother. So Aboriginal way, that's pop, just letting everyone know. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the same lineage. Um, So, yeah, it was just um, very emotional. And I guess like now I'm very, very close to him and he's been the, he was the catalyst for me getting very close to educating myself more on my Noongar heritage because before that I knew like you know you always learn the naughty words first and I know so many mm. naughty words it's ridiculous and I said to my nana the other day you need to start teaching me non-naughty words because yeah. I can just say and I've taught you guys naughty words so anyway but yeah what were you saying yeah yeah like that's exactly it you always learn the naughty words in your language but then actually being able to I guess like have a quick little conversation is not um promoted as much because a lot of that knowledge has been lost um so yeah he was a catalyst in me starting to learn a bit more of my language I can speak it kind of conversationally not like super fluid Mm. (laughs) I'm still working on my pronunciation my um cousin always tells me off that's a constant thing though especially like we've had English growing up we've had to grow up learning English as our first language our whole lives and then to I think it's something like your mother tongue I think that's what it is that's different, the way you use your tongue when you um, do pronunciations. I'm not too sure, but, you know, it's hard going from this language that we speak to our actual language. But how powerful is it when you get a little bits of your language back? Like you almost feel it definitely makes your identity stronger. Yeah, it's very empowering. Like I guess even just thinking about... You know, even if you have lost your language, you probably still have some of the pronunciation from your old people. So, for example, Nungars can't, like, they didn't have S in their language. So, a lot of Nungars, we say S very different to how people do. And, you know, um, how would you say it? Oh, uh, it's just like, it's like we do it a bit harsher because it's not as natural on our tongues, I think, personally. Uh, how do you? Like, if I said snake. I think like, I've had a lot of people say it's interesting how I say S and I'm like, oh, I'm going to put that one on my Noongar heritage. <laughs> and same as like, you know, they just randomly drop in H's into places. Really? Yeah. So like you don't say, your aunties wouldn't say apple. They say, do you want a apple bub? Do you want a orange? Oh. Things like that. Wow. Isn't that funny how we all come from different places and everything just sounds so different? Yeah. <laughs> so you've met your grandfather. And then what was the next step after that? Was he, did you guys become real close? Was he starting to teach you more culture? Brooke just burped again. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a constant problem. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like 
because of that volunteer organisation I was with, um, we actually went out and did an on-country camping trip. So that was out at um, Kutakitch, which is otherwise known as Wave Rock. And that's Which again, is, sorry to interrupt you, book, book, book. <laughs> Honestly, one of the coolest things I have seen. If you guys don't know what this is, you have to look it up on the internet. Can it, is it on the internet? Yeah. So it's literally a huge rock. Would be a sacred site. Yeah, yeah. A huge rock that is in the shape of a wave and it's wild. So make sure you go look that up. Yeah, if you're in the WA, in the WA. In the WA. Then um, head out to the Wheat Belt because, yeah, that's gorgeous. It's five hours inland, but it's worth it. It's like inland, but the desert, the... The wave comes to you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need the ocean out there. So about your camping trip? Yeah. Um, that was kind of like the first time I'd properly done a Noongar cultural trip. And just a lot of the stuff he taught us out there, you know, like you get taught things that you can't tell other people because my pop worded it perfectly where he said, there's some things that are just for us and it's just for us to hold on to, which is pretty special because it's like... Not everyone has to know everything. And I think that's quite beautiful because it's, it's not, um, it's not I guess, like gatekeeping in the knowledge. It's more like, well, I guess like as a person, like do you know every single facet of someone that you know or would there be sides to them that you wouldn't know? I think that's kind of like the same way. It's just some things are just not meant to be shared with everybody and that's okay. And some things are meant for us as Aboriginal people and carers for the land you know we are um in our own country meant to know things that people aren't men aren't meant to know things that we do we aren't meant to know things that men do it's a constant cycle but I think that keeps up I guess the theme of respect within our culture respecting other people respecting country and respecting yourself yeah absolutely because I mean um personally like I've never been a super religious person I've definitely looked up a lot of religions to try and I guess makes sense of the world. So, you know, you research it all because you're like, oh, like, I'm not sure that's a fit for me, but I find that really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then that camping trip was the first time that I ever properly felt something spiritually that I was like, there is so much more out here that we do not understand. So, yeah, I think that was the major turning point for me. So, <laughs> you know, if I'm like the main character of the story... <laughs> That's, um, yeah, that was the turning point where I was like, yep, okay, this is real and I'm going to make sure I can learn everything I can about this. So talking about stories, what is it like going from a Noongar Jehovah's Witness to a film, to a filmy? I'm just going to call you a filmy. <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but we're going to go filmy. Brooke is a writer and producer yeah yeah yep. can you tell us a bit about that transition and what that looked like for you yeah I mean um <laughs> it's a funny story I think I was telling you the other day so in high school I had absolutely no idea I wanted to like what I wanted to do because at the beginning there I was like maybe I want to be a farmer because I went to high school in Margaret River and they happened to have a farm on this school so it was pretty fun and like I did all that kind of stuff as well like riding tractors <laughs> um but yeah, I guess like you get a bit older and you're like, oh, I don't know if I actually want to be on a farm by myself forever. My life. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I guess. And then, you know, stuff happened in high school where, you know, like family passed away and it just got too hard to focus. 
my grades dropped quite a bit, which, you know, I was always like the top of my class. So it was quite, I guess, like embarrassing for me because I held myself to such a high standard of what my grades should be that when they dropped because of everything that was going on in my personal life, I was like, well, shit, if I fail high school, then what do I do after this? So I had no idea. Um, I still have no idea what my um, ATAR score is because I was too scared to check it. Can you even check it now? You probably could, but like, I, I don't want to see it still. I think it would still hurt me. <laughs> Mine was 36, guys. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put it out there, but look at me now. High school doesn't mean everything. I'm telling you, we're telling you, but make sure you go to school because it sets actually really good foundations, but it's not everything. Yeah, it's not everything because everyone has such a like different journey. So the same thing for like getting into filmmaking. Everyone has a completely different journey to how they got here. So for myself, I got to the end of high school and they were like, okay, like here's the universities to have a look at now. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. I have no idea what I want to do. This is so much pressure and it's deciding the rest of my life. That um, And it doesn't have to decide the rest of your life as well. I think that, sorry to interrupt you, Brooke, but as kids, we're grown up to think that this one score that we get at the end of our high school determines who we are as people and what we're going to do with our rest of our lives but it's not like look at Brooke she's super successful <laughs> and she doesn't even know what her ATAR got what she got for her ATAR I'm still too scared There's, I'm never going to look at it never you have ever. to before it goes yeah. and just be like look at where I am now no, <laughs> never ever <laughs> so you got into film school yeah, um, so the way I even chose film school in the first place was one of the universities just sent out an email to be like, you can do a quiz online for what degree is suited to you. And I was like, oh, okay, that helps me. <laughs> and then that's how I also chose what university I went to because I was like, oh, that's just the one that offered me that quiz. So um, that was Murdoch University. I did the quiz and then the degree that came up was film. And I was like, oh, I had absolutely no idea that was even an option for me, but I'd always um, loved movies. I used to dissect them. Apparently, even as a young kid to my mum, I used to be like, that was such a beautiful shot. Like, did you see how they did that? It was amazing. And <laughs> Fully dissecting the whole movie yeah, as a kid. <laughs> yeah, and I used to annoy my sisters too. Like, we'd go to the movies and I'd be leaning over to them and whispering in their ear going, I think this is going to happen next and then this character's going to do this and it's going to be the ending. <laughs> Story and of my life, that's yeah, me. Yeah, and then it would end and that would happen and they'd get wild at me and be like, have you seen this before? <laughs> like, no, I was just guessing like where I thought it was going to go. This is just what I meant to do, guys, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I ended up studying. Um, and again, like I felt like uni was a little bit of a waste of time at the time after I graduated, but it definitely, um, I guess, helped in like building as a bigger person because it teaches you critical thinking and like how to research properly and check your facts. Uh, your facts. Your facts. Check your facts. <laughs> your facts are correct. Oh, shit, girl, you've been practicing that accent. <laughs> your facts are correct. How do you do it again? Your facts are correct. That's, that's probably really bad, and I'm no, so that's sorry actually, if that's offensive. Yeah, that's really scary. That was really good. Anyway, um, keep yeah, going. <laughs> that's, that's why Gary, so my partner, he always gets me to do accents because I just he can really nail them. them. Yeah. What's another one? I just always do Russian to him as a joke where I'm like, this is looking good. Like, our child will be strong to plough field. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm blushing. Actually, I can feel no, how my I'm like blushing. I feel hot now. That Can you do another one? This is awesome. Oh, my God. Um... I don't know. I just do stuff like that all the time just when I'm joking around. But yeah. I used to be able to do the Margot Robbie one. 
You know, from Wolf of Wall Street? Have you seen that? No, you have to show me. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to her. It's like that whole thing. It's like, (laughs) what did he say? She says, who, who, what are you, a fucking owl? Uh, No, I can't do it. Sorry. We'll beat that out. Dion. (laughs) Thank you. But you gave it a good shot. Anyway, that's all that matters. Moving on from that accent thing, Brooke could also be an actor. She, you could no. be a narrator on a kids' movie. See, I wouldn't mind doing voice acting because I feel mm. like that would be alright. But I'm just like way too shamed to actually be an actor. Mm. And I actually had um, uh, Elaine Crum, if you know who she is. No, who is she? She's a um, indigenous actress who's pretty boss and I love her what has she been an actor in uh, you would have seen her in black comedy a few oh, times yeah. um, she's in the Saf- no not in the sapphire sorry pretty sure she's in top end wedding I'll have to check her out yeah. anyway what were you saying yeah um, no she said that to me as well as that I should be in front of camera and I was like hell no nah. <laughs> hell no nah. nope I'm gonna just produce and write thanks cause that's just way too stressful and never mm. interested me maybe mm. one day you can do a voice acting over like a Noongar cartoon or something yeah like that would be cool um, or Russian yeah <laughs> or t- Kiwi I think they said Tiwi Kiwi that would be cool yeah. So talking about weird and wacky things, going to a film producer, I know you've told me a bit about your cosplay life. Would you call it a cosplay life or your earlier teen years in cosplay? Can you please, one, Brooke has done so many just <laughs> interesting things to me because they're so different and so awesome. So Too many hobbies. Literally, <laughs> you're so productive in so many ways. Can we talk about what cosplay is and if... What I was thinking is, did you get into it? Because I guess being Aboriginal, we're storytellers and what you're doing now is essentially storytelling. Is that a part of your love for cosplay? Yeah, but also it's just really cool to dress up. Like, it's so much fun. And I feel like it shouldn't just be restricted to things like Halloween or like parties because like it's maybe like two or three times a year that you can dress up as something when it's like you could have all these other opportunities too. So, um, yeah, I just, I used to love cosplay, but where that started was, um, I guess, yeah, in high school I started watching anime because a few of my friends were like, oh, you got to check out, um, these animes. And there was like, I think the first one I ever watched was this show called Vampire Night and, it is so cringy, but it just, <laughs> it got me in because it was a side of storytelling that I'd never seen. Um, like Japanese people can tell a story. They can spin a yarn. Mm, they can spin a yarn, guys. <laughs> Check out some, oh, Japanime. Yeah. <laughs> Japanimation. That's what, that's what Gary calls it, guys. Japanime. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's where it sparked from is because like I was just, I was watching so many TV series and stuff as a kid and movies and then all of a sudden there was this whole new world that was open to me to storytelling and these different ways and perspectives and I was like, oh my God, like there's this whole other world that I haven't seen before. Um, And then, you know, it just got deeper and deeper. Tumblr was a thing back then and that's how I used to find new stuff to watch all the time. and then, yeah, found out one year with some of my mates because I got more and more of my friends as well into anime. And, um, yeah, we found out there was going to be, like, a convention up in Perth. So at the time we lived in Margaret River, so it was a three-hour drive up there. Um, and, yeah, so we all went as a group the first year and just seeing everybody else in their costumes and how much effort they put in to 
all these intricate like armors and swords and just like these masks they'd put led lights in them and stuff like that it just blew my mind and i just thought it was the coolest thing ever and because i've always loved making things and keeping my hands busy i was like i'm doing that next year so yeah i guess that's like where the love sparked from because you kind of when you actually do it it's almost like you're a celebrity for the day because people get so excited they're like oh my god that's my favorite character from that show and like they're here in the flesh like I'm gonna go up to this person and tell them how much I love their costume get a photo with them and just get like lovely memories so I was saying to you before like I think it's so great because introverts are really drawn to you know something that you would see is quite flamboyant Mm. um they're really drawn to it because I feel like their interests are shown on the like outside so it helps break down a barrier of connection because you know you can just go up to someone and immediately you have a topic of conversation with them straight away it might make them feel connected to other people and kind of show what they wish they could show maybe as an introvert I don't know if you're would you say introverts I guess everyone is their own kind of introvert but an introvert doesn't want to show things because they're shy or just doesn't want to like more keeps to themselves yeah I think it really depends because you know um I feel like it's more of an anxiety thing than anything because you're like Mm. oh will this person judge me will I come off as like too much is this embarrassing I don't know but you get to go to those conventions and it doesn't matter because everyone is the same they're all like nerds there with you (laughs) so what'd you guys the next year after that oh um so it wasn't a character the next year, but I just kind of went in a um, yukata. So it's kind of like a casual kimono. And it <gasps> Do was you have a photo? Uh, I think... Uh, I would yeah. love to see you dress <laughs> up. That would be so awesome. Yeah, I'll have to show you some of my old cosplay photos later. Um, I that, could dress yeah. up in... Um, would you say it's Japanese clothing? Yeah, in yeah. a culturally appropriate way, if that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm as far as I know, I could be wrong. I think a yukata was okay, uh, but it was so comfy because it's basically like a cushion that you wear on your back. Because every time I sat down, I was like, "This is the best. We should wear this all the time. <laughs> we should definitely go down the street wearing yeah, this." Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a lot to think about because I wasn't dressed as like a character or anything that year. This is like, I guess, kind of like a bit more of the dark side of things because I was, I think, yeah, I was on. Un- not underage. I was Don't 16. Lie, you were underage. No, I was like, I was 17 then. And just thinking about it, I wasn't dressed as a character that year, but I was just dressed in this thing. And like, you know, just sometimes you can get those like creepy older dudes that take photos of you. And at the mm. time I didn't think anything of it, but now I'm older and I'm like, what did that guy have a photo of me for? Like I wasn't that was dressed really as a character. Weird. <laughs> yeah. He was just looking at yeah, me. Yeah, there's some random out there that has a picture of me in a yukata. I wasn't a character. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that just happened. Yeah. Do you, will you ever go back to cosplay? Yeah, definitely. Like You I'd could l- take your little baby with you. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could all go. Yeah, absolutely. Just like a whole family cosplay. See, that's another cool thing is that everyone can do it together like you can find Mm. a movie or something and you guys can all go like I had like a friend of mine who once we went together she loved it so much that all her family go together every year and they all do costumes together so it's pretty awesome yeah so wait do you mean her her kid and her boyfriend no like like her mum and her dad her mum and her older sister yeah so it's pretty cool I have to get down to one of these things and just see what's going on (laughs) yeah and plus like I guess 
back then, those like conventions were the only places you could buy all the merch of your favorite shows. So like all the comic books, all the figurines, all the movies. It was only available in those things, but it's I feel like it's coming like so popular now. And then they actually have just like shops dedicated to pop culture now. And I'm like, this is so cool. They do. They have it everywhere in Melbourne as well. Yeah. And it just blows my mind because I'm like, oh, I didn't tell anyone I was into this stuff in high school because I thought mm. it was embarrassing. And now everybody's watching anime and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Isn't it weird the things that come back around and the things that, honestly, if you're listening to this and you're in high school, be who you mofo are. Because seriously, like you go out of high school and you realise a lot of people who are trying to be the same person actually have different interests as well, but everyone's just trying to be in this big clique. But if you can be yourself, that's that's just going to make you, a, I guess, a stronger person. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about storytelling. Let's talk about the big, uh, well, big, yeah, I'd call it big, Brooks documentary. She's just released with her uncle called Aboriginal Aboriginal Warrior, and he actually used to call himself Aboriginal Warrior. Can you just explain to the listeners of Mob Talk what this awesome documentary was? You guys actually can't see it just yet. I've seen it because I'm just amazing. Because you're special. Because I'm special. But it honestly is a really good watch. Make sure you get onto it when it is released, but I'll give it to you, Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Aboriginal Warrior was quite a personal project. Um that one probably took like three years to make. Um, that's just from, you know, beginning of conception, so the idea and everything. Because, um, yeah, the way that sparked is, um, you know, my uncle came to visit my family one day and you know how like your family all get when you all visit each other as you all sit around the like, kitchen table, you have a cup of tea and all the yarns come out and all the secrets of your like mom and stuff when she was a kid and the naughty Best. stuff they used to do. Yeah. Love that stuff. Yeah. So um, one of those times my uncle was talking about when he used to be a world champion kickboxer. Well, not used to be. He is a world champion. And um, so many other stories came out from that. Like he ended up working for a Yakuza mob boss. So that's basically like the Japanese mafia. <gasps> Yeah, yeah, like accidentally. <laughs> accidentally. Yeah, no, from the way he spins it, I think it was an accident. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's a part of the bigger story. We didn't get a chance to cover that in our doco. But um, yeah, the way that worked is um, after I sat down with him, I kind of interviewed him on, I guess, kind of everything spanning that side of his career. Um, I put together like a little treatment um, and then put it forward to NITV and they have this thing called Our Stories which helps emerging filmmakers to create a 15-minute documentary. Yeah, so we went from there and we were lucky enough to be selected and then COVID hit so um, mm. it took a while. Awful to get COVID. Started. Yeah, so um, it took a while to get started but... Once we got it done, we've just been entering it into film festivals and it's been absolutely just kicking ass. And it won? Yeah. So that was really exciting. Um, so I was actually here with you when we mm -hmm. won an award. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah. This is, so is this your first short film documentary that you've released by yourself? Not by yourself, but you've produced and written? Yeah, it is. So this is like unheard of for like a first thing to kind of do so well so that's my saying a lot thing. guys watch yeah. out for book's name <laughs> no not at all it's just like okay I need to like calm down for the next stuff like you can't expect the same because you don't know like what's going to hit and what's going to miss um but yeah I'm just like so 
lucky that my uncle felt comfortable to tell us his story, um, you know, because he came from quite a rough childhood and basically had no support in what he wanted to do. And it's just the typical um, underdog story. I said it's like Blackfella Rocky when I pitch it to people because... It's like that though. It is, yeah, because, um, you know, he went through struggles when he was younger to basically support himself to start going to um, boxing lessons and then he was naturally good at it and got even better and got a trainer and then got a world championship. But, yeah. So how do you feel being 25? You're 25? And having an award-winning short film documentary and being Aboriginal. Like, I know being Aboriginal shouldn't be on there, but, like, you know, we have some odds stacked against us as Aboriginal people. Like, does that make you feel proud? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I tend to forget because I'm just like, okay, I'm just chugging along. Like, I'm just trying to, like, get stuff done. And I don't really take much time to sit back and be like, oh, my gosh, because I guess I think more of it, like... um, I wouldn't be here without the people who have supported me to come up. So it's like, you know, even things like, even though I was like the first person in my family to graduate university and do stuff like that, um, I didn't think of it as like, oh, how amazing is that, that I've done that. It's just like, I'm just doing it. I'm just, I'm just doing it. I'm doing it for me and I'm creating this life. Yeah. And it's only once you kind of stand back to be like, oh, hang on a sec. Um, like, I, <laughs> I guess because like in the film industry, so many people are so much older than me. Mm-hmm. I tend to mentally think I'm older than I am and then when I have to say I'm 25 I'm like oh my god I'm actually still <laughs> young <am> <laughs> yeah. um yeah so it's definitely shocking when you like think about it you're like oh my god uh like you don't want to think about it too much because then it's like am I gonna spiral what's happening <laughs> well congratulations on your award-winning documentary honestly it was really amazing I'm so blessed that you could be able to show me and I'm so honored to have to be working beside you and Gary because you guys are like my little mentors well I'm like your little yeah you just help me out with a lot so yeah (laughs) thank you for that but it's been great Brooke um coming on Mob Talk and I'm sure we'll do another one sometime soon yeah no thank you so much for having us and we've loved working with you because you've just got such a like vibrant personality it's funny brings energy up (laughs) yeah claim it yeah (laughs) i'm just gonna claim that thank you brooke um so mob talk make sure you are listening in on all our new episodes and i'll be back with you guys soon buddha love that thanks everyone for joining us on mob talk this week if you like this podcast Please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon.